Welcome to the Voices of Young People podcast, brought to you by Springtide Research Institute. In each episode, we hear directly from young people as they respond to our research and share about the issues impacting their lives. As sociologists and researchers, we see a new story unfolding for young people, one that moves beyond traditional institutional boundaries and requires careful attention to the inner and outer lives of emerging generations. At the intersection of being and becoming, it's the Voices of Young People. Hey everyone, my name is Marta Abawaji. I work in community engagement here at Springtide and I'm so honored to have this conversation today with Abdullah. I think you're gonna gain a lot of insight from it, but be sure to keep listening after our conversation wraps up because we will also have a tip where you can apply research from work life um, to your own setting, your own context. And that tip will come from our executive director, Dr. Josh Packard. Hello, my name is Abdullah Ali. I'm a 23-year-old, live in Massachusetts, um, though I call Iowa home, Iowa City specifically. My family and I originally came from Sudan. Um, I was born in Saudi, long story, uh, but I'm Muslim. Uh, I'm an engineer uh, in research and development at a bioprocessing company and really passionate about medicine and medical technologies. I studied biomedical engineering at uh, Northwestern University in Chicago. And I'm an avid runner too, so I'm looking to run Boston Marathon someday. It's one of my life goals. So, yeah. Oh, that is rad! I love I love knowing that aspect as well. So we have an engineer and a marathon hopeful. Have you ever done a marathon, or is, would yeah. Boston be your first? Uh, I've done Chicago Marathon, and Boston is one that you would have to uh, qualify for. So that's like a a goal that I would love to uh, try and achieve. So yeah, I know that one is is extra competitive or tricky yeah. to to qualify for, and it's it's so esteemed and and well known. So okay, crossing my fingers for you that 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 goal is achieved sooner than later. But I'm I'm really uh, looking forward to this conversation, Abdullah. Thank you for joining us today. So you said a little mm-hmm. bit about yeah, a little bit about the industry that you're in, in terms of biomedical engineering, that you are an engineer yourself. So you're already newly in the workplace. You finished undergrad. Um, what sort of characteristics would you say are, are ideal for the workplace um, setting? And this could be something you've already observed or something you, would, you haven't unfortunately observed and you hope would be there. Um, that's a good question. At first, when I heard the question, I think about like, you know, in the context of uh, COVID. Um, but, you know, for, for a work from home environment, you can go one way. Um, but, you know, just thinking of a, you know, a space where that's very conducive to work, that's very easy to uh, collaborate um, with uh, your teammates or your um, co-workers. Um, but in a, like, you know, in the office space, in the lab space where I usually work from, um, in a normal setting, um, I think it's very, very important um, to uh, make it so that it's there's a lot of uh, variety in the thinking of the different employees, um, so that you know, I might uh, my coach who in high school who was a big inspiration for me in terms of engineering and running, um, he talked about um, the greatest thing about engineering is that it's you know bringing multiple people from different 
backgrounds, diverse backgrounds to come together to solve a problem in our society, in our, you know, community, whatnot, um, or solution. So, so for a problem that we have. And so I always think about that and what's like conducive for that. Um, so yeah, just a place that, you know, you can, that's comfortable to a level where, you know, there's no distractions, uh, not too comfortable, right? But like, you know, that where you're able to uh, just work uh, most productively, most efficiently with, with the people around you. Um, and, and, you know, and actually like work together to do something done. So, uh, yeah. And, you know, thinking about it more too, it's just a place that's also like, um, takes into account the, the backgrounds of every individual that's involved. Um, and for example, like having like a wellness space or, or some sort, or mm -hmm. having a, a place for, um, you know, as a practicing Muslim place where I can, you know, met, take time to meditate or pray, um, and allowing that, allowing that, uh, time for that too, within and having that flexibility for whatever the needs are for, for the person, um, just so that they can meet, you know, those those needs um so yeah a place out where you can where those needs are attended to um for each individual within that group within that team um i think it is conducive for a productive team so super um, helpful both of those examples like uh, a place where people can be highly collaborative um but also not have too many distractions i hear that in the mm -hmm. highly collaborative and i would be curious about if you have any ways that you've seen that done successfully through the challenges of COVID where everyone's working from home and it's harder to collaborate in those ways. Oh, but I also really appreciate uh, your, your acknowledgement that um, I don't think you use the word inclusion, but that's what I hear is, is being upheld for um, your own experience as a practicing Muslim to have a space for meditation or prayer and acknowledgement that, yeah, there are going to be a few times during the workday where I'm going to want to access this space. And for that, um, maybe for you not even to have to ask for that, for people to already be really mindful to, to build that in. It, I'm just thinking back to an episode that some of our listeners might want to go deeper on that idea with. Um, in season two of the podcast, we talked to um, a young man who's finishing out undergrad named Abdi Malik, who is also a practicing Muslim. And he talked a lot about how companies could be more mindful with their religious holidays um, of saying not everyone celebrates Christmas. So maybe I could work on Christmas so that I can have eat off after Ramadan or um, it, it brings up while well, prayer space or meditative or wellness space, like you called it, is one consideration. It makes me think of other considerations of inclusion for, sure. for all different employees. So I just want to reference that for some of our listeners if they want to put your your recommendation almost in conversation with Abdul Malik's recommendation. Thinking about uh, the uh, social aspects of, you know, work, you know, for example, uh, in our work, um, when it was uh, in, in person, we would have uh, speakeasies um, for as our only like mm -hmm. social networking, um, like, you know, opportunity. Um, and not being able to drink alcohol and stuff like that, it's just like, it kind of excludes um, me and some other people, but not in just in this industry, but in many industries, many different fields. Um, and it's just uh, finding ways to try and have like social networking events, you know, just beyond that and those activities um, or 
something else like i think it's it's something maybe to consider as well um but yeah just uh just a thought that is super helpful feedback i think it goes back to the inclusion piece yeah um, exactly that you were saying earlier in terms of not everyone partakes in alcohol mm-hmm. for example so exactly uh what other spaces what other locations or activities would mm-hmm. be mindful of that so that it's not only one outlet or one social mm-hmm. convening can i go sure. back to that covid question if there mm-hmm. is anything you've seen done in work from home life that still mm-hmm. allows you to have that um highly collaborative problem solving approach that is so key mm-hmm. to your field mm-hmm. i think um it's it's been done to varying levels of success um so we utilize you know these different uh communication tools such as, you know, Microsoft Teams, Skype, um, what have you, uh, to communicate. And we, while it's, we're able to be productive in, in getting, um, maintain our our productivity and like, you know, just straight directly communicating with people. We're often very siloed. Um, so like, I don't, um, you know, understand the, uh, when I'm reaching out to someone, like it's not someone that I'm seeing, so I'm just asking them directly for a question. It's it's hard to get that um, human connection with it. You know, it's just like, hey, um, you know, my name is this. I'm trying to do this. Like, can you help me with this, or um, can we work on this together, or something like that. It's um, uh, not having that, you know, face to face conversation or face to work face uh, collaboration, kind of take takes a little bit away from it and makes it a little bit more difficult. Um, but um we've been so my team you know we've been trying to um offset that by having more um time just to like relax a little bit to have more like open uh conversations whether we'd have like you know small like meetings for 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 team synergies we call it um whether we just you know just sit down and just like talk about you know the different projects we have also talk about things outside of that too and just bring more um human humanity into it uh so um but yeah it's some but it's something that's very very important because um you know instead of you know you're just messaging someone and that's all that's the only like connection that you have with that person you're like you know either talking so voice calls or you're you know you know having the camera on and actually like you know trying to communicate with them so yeah it's it's not a perfect uh solution uh, to, you know, being in person. Um, but, uh, it, it definitely does help, um, more than, and we try to take away from that feeling of being siloed, um, as much as possible. So. Oh, yeah. that's super helpful example. And for people who might think, oh, are people just going to think the team synergy stuff is just dorky or unwanted? <laughs> I'm hearing from you at least that you find some value in that because like you said, in your own words, it gives you that human connection instead of just I'm productive, you're productive here. We collaborate on yeah. this. We get to still be collegial and friendly and mm-hmm. hopefully build rapport and other connections beyond the exactly. project at hand. Exactly. Um, and that would maybe help for future projects, whether they have some more insight that can be useful future projects instead of, you know, um, someone that just uh uh you know you're not even seeing their picture or anything you know you're just messaging to some person um you're actually like you know talking with them and that might be helpful when down the road for example if they had need some help with something and they can remember you um in some way um and to reach out and stuff like that so it it helps it helps in the long term and the short term as well yeah Um, yeah it's still helping the overall 
productivity of the company or ultimate goals, but it's, it sounds like it's nurturing you in some way to be like, I can't be with my colleagues in person, Mm -hmm. but here's how we're finding some meaningful ways of connection. And, and that's what a lot of our research in work life explored. We really wanted to understand how are young people finding meaning at work? Are they looking to find meaning at work? And we did learn that a high number of young people want work that aligns with their overall purpose in life. So I'm curious about your own expectations or hopes for finding meaning, a sense of meaning within your work setting. Um, Yeah, um, I guess to, um, just to go back, just to better explain the work that I do, um, I'm a uh, product engineer, uh, product care engineer at a, at my company and so at my company we provide uh, machineries and assemblies and solutions for our pharma companies for therapeutic companies to develop new medicines uh, vaccines therapies um, and to produce them as well uh, in a larger scale and so my group works to uh, create solutions for products we have in the market and whether it be redesigning it or solving solutions that our uh, customers are facing um, that are found on the field and we look to like we work with the perspective like our our um, team mission uh, is our efforts will improve and save the lives of patients by the way of solving uh, problems for our customers. So that's just to give a general uh, background into the work that I be that I'm doing. Um, and I think that's very important uh, when I was considering you know the type of work that I wanted to do. Um, uh, ever uh, since uh, I was very little, my dad has always been telling me about, you know, the the virtues, um, both religious in this life and in the year after about um, about medicine and helping people uh, and, and th- those ways of contributing uh, to society. So that's um, I've always been very, very into medicine. Um, but then, you know, in, in high school, I um, I started taking engineering classes and I came to discover that, you know, I can apply science, which I thought was, you know, a little bit trivial, kind of cool, but a little trivial and apply it to solving problems in medicine, to develop new medicines, to do more than just, you know, be a doctor or something like that. Um, So that's kind of the path that I took is that, you know, I want to uh, be in a position in my life where I can uh, help people uh, through through science, through through engineering. developing uh, medicines or solutions for people um and some of that that idea has it's you know been changed a little bit here and there um but it's really retained um i've really retained that value and that's what i look for when i'm trying to do my work it's what inspires me to to keep working or to um uh it inspires me to look, you know, at the jobs that I do look at and, the, you know, type of career that I do want to take um, and directions I, I want to take as well. Like, it's always back to that point of, you know, how can I achieve this goal? Like, how does this help me achieve this goal of, you know, serving uh, um, and through through science um, and helping others? So, uh, and it doesn't have to uh, manifest in one position. You know, there's not just like, oh, or through any one type of uh, a job. It's always just, you know, does this job allow me to do that type of thing? And 
and also just with the understanding that you know my work my life is also outside of my my job as well that i can also make those contributions or those type of contributions outside of my work um so or find meaning outside of my work too so it doesn't have to be just 100 percent through my work um but yeah um i'm sorry i've lost track of where we were no that was that was super helpful i mean you were able to paint a strong trajectory of being a younger kid even and seeing this potential for your work your vocation to help people and for that to you said yeah it's maybe taken a few different turns but the Mm -hmm. the essence of like wanting to help people in the realm of medicine at large um it sounds like that has been consistent and that has been retained and that no matter what the specific problem is in front of you for you and or your team that having that reference point in the back of your mind is it sounds like it's a centering um or or guiding um force because definitely it keeps me grounded in in the work that i'm doing and you know finding a purpose in the work that i'm doing no matter what it may be um so um like the research for example that i was doing it uh at my university was very different than the type of work that i'm doing now um but they're both um one was in you know tissue regeneration and looking at um how to um engineer tissue to 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 um to to help you know injuries or or solve uh, different conditions that people have and this is more of uh in the mechanical side of things in the manufacturing side of things um trying to figure those out uh those solutions out so but they both retain that simple thing of is there you know some place where i can you know contribute to um helping others in some some fat way uh, through medicine so i mean rad work even when it's in different spectrums and like thank you for for doing the the biomedical engineering work that we don't even think about happening i think in the past year society is thinking about it happening behind the scenes a lot more because of uh the desire for vaccines um to address COVID 19 but this sort of behind the scenes biomedical engineering work, whether it's with tissue regeneration, whether it's um, more on the mechanical side, like you said, presently, all of that, um, yeah, helps keep people hopefully um, healthier and uh, with more more options as, as medicine continues to advance. So that's really cool that even when you have a tough project in front of you that maybe you get bogged down in the project that there is that grounding element of like, mm-hmm. okay, this is why I do this. <laughs> Even exactly. It's the bigger picture stuff. to it. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Um, so and, oh, go mm-hmm. ahead. Go ahead. I lost my train of thought. Sorry. <laughs> um, what's I going to say? I apologize. I forgot. No worries. I, uh, let me know if it comes back to you, but I'm curious mm-hmm. about, bosses and supervisors and managers Uh this could be someone you had in the university setting when you were doing that tissue regeneration um research um or it could be someone currently in your company or through any past internships is there um something you've experienced where you could say okay that person cared about me as a person they weren't just concerned with what i would produce as an employee um and this this is what they did 
And maybe if you haven't experienced that, what what would that ideally look like or feel like? Um, because our research has shown that a lot of young people desire to have their boss express direct care for them as a person um, and to, to feel that and know that, not just from the organization, but manifested in a specific person. So I'd love to hear any examples you have. Mm. Yeah, um, so for example, um, my uh, uh, academic advisor was also the um, PI for me in, term, in, in my research. Um, and he was very, very uh, helpful in, in guiding me throughout uh, the process um, uh, in my research and, you know, thinking about my life hustle outside of, you know, just the research. He would ask, you know, questions about um, how am I doing and, and everything else about me. We'd have other conversations as well um, and also talk about, you know, career and how this impacts that and what to look for in the future. And um, so he, he's been very, very uh uh, great in, in, in guiding me um, in those ways has been also like a type of mentor uh, for me. So I, I've always appreciated that uh, from him. And, you know, it's someone that I can always, you know, still contact. Um, so I appreciate that. Uh, and, you know, um, I don't think it's um, for me personally, um, I don't think it uh, it has to manifest in like a you know that a boss has to be like you know a mentor um but you know just to have like some sort of you know niceness some general like you know genuine uh care i think is, is important um but like not necessarily like they have to be you know a mentor they have to you know reach reach those levels of, of, of personal connection but i definitely think it's it's important um to have someone that can understand, you know, your situation and make uh, work easier for you to to do your to do your job. Um, you know, whether it be, for example, um, you know, accommodations, um, whether for, you know, a disabled uh, bodies or for, you know, in terms of faith practicing, um, being able to accommodate, you know, oh, like this is a space for you to to do these things and having understanding of that you know just understanding the background and being uh culturally conscious um and and literate um so uh, those are very i think are very important factors uh or very important um characteristics of, of bosses or managers you know um and that they're just you know looking out for 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 you as well um so uh, in that way and just making it so that you're able to do your job or do what you need to do um, and, and not be uh, uh, a source of, <laughs> uh, of, of a pain point or something like that, that, you know, or prevents you from being able to do what you need to do, you know. So just being understanding of, of, of the work-life balance um, within the work as well, um, I think is important. So, oh, those are yeah. great concrete examples. And what I'm hearing is, care is demonstrated in yes asking how someone is but also care is demonstrated in bosses supervisors doing the work themselves in the sense of being culturally competent like you said yeah. um providing accommodations not just for religious spaces but accommodations for all different disabilities and that connects mm -hmm. really well with another episode we have in this series from tatum who um mm -hmm. she identifies as functionally blind and 
is really passionate about disability justice. So your example of being inclusive of, of so many different identities, um, she, she brings to light even more fully, but it's really cool that without even knowing that, that that's something mm -hmm. that you're recommending a boss could be um, cognizant of, of intentionally implementing. So uh, yeah, great, great recommendations. You brought up work-life balance a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm wondering um, if you've ever experienced people be like, oh, you're young, you can work all, you can work all the time. Um, just because there's a common, I think, idea that older employees need to be concerned with work life and balance because maybe they have more caretaking roles um, or, mm -hmm. or whatever creates that assumption. Do you, do you feel like um, you get to be a part of <laughs> that work life balance conversation? And if so, um, yeah, how do you think workplaces can also help young people foster and value a work life balance? Uh, yeah, um, I believe work-life balance is just is important at any age, um, uh, and I understand that. For example, uh, as we get older, we have more responsibilities like having children or etc. If we, you know, um, or having someone else in our lives, for example. Um, but no, I believe it's it's understanding that you know work is work is not just your like it's not your life like there's you have a life outside of work and like what does your life outside of work look like and does your work impede into your ability to have a life outside of work or to have to have your life be greater than that um so and yeah I've, I've heard a lot about um you know i have like you know different friends or even in some like in cases for some me like um you would have company cultures that would vary uh uh, that would hammer in, uh, you know, the idea that, oh, you need to work all day to, you know, in order to, like, achieve this thing, in order to take it to the next level. Um, and, like, while, yes, as younger people, we do definitely do have more of the uh, uh, energy, like, the the strength and um, to do that, I still think that your well-being is, is very important and your... Um, physical and your mental and physical well-being is very very important and that it's a responsibility that you have for yourself to to maintain that and not make sure that yes I can work more but not to the point where I'm hurting myself in a uh, in a chronic way um, whether that be a physical or a mental thing um, so uh, yeah just um, so yeah I, I think work-life balance is is regardless of, you know, at one point, it may manifest in different ways, uh, for sure. Um, uh, but it's still something that needs to be considered, um, no matter where you're at, um, in your life. Um, so, and yeah, it's just, um, you know, even if you're very passionate about your job, um, you know, if you really love the work that you're doing, um, still need to understand that you can't be, uh, it, it would it would go to a point like you can't put everything into it where you don't have anything beyond that um and like when you're you know you have a day where you're not able to work and for example you're very very sick you know to not force yourself to try and work through that um i think it's uh because the not it's not going to just affect you that time but it's going to affect you down the road too 
Um, and so it's just some things to consider, I guess. Yeah. So I'm I'm hearing a combination of like personal responsibility to know your own like boundaries with work life and an mm -hmm. expectation for workplaces to be mindful of that for people in all different ages. Like you said, it's going to manifest differently in different mm -hmm. stages of life, but that it should be prioritized for for all, mm -hmm. not just um, like, oh, the young, the young are fine. They can work these, these 15 hour shifts or, or whatever it might be. So, yeah. okay. Um, okay. So you mentioned at the beginning that you're a runner. That's one hobby. And mm -hmm. you've said also in the conversation that yes, you find meaning at work, but you also want to find meaning outside of work. So I'm curious what sort of activities, hobbies, passions, projects, or even communities provide that sense of meaning for you in your life overall um, beyond work? For sure. Um, there's met definitely uh, multiple sources that uh, that I take uh, into account um, when considering like my life outside of work. Um, first of all, like I recently got engaged. Um, so oh, my fiance, thank you. Uh, so yeah, so my fiance, for example, she takes um, uh, She's part of that and being able to, you know, having someone else to focus on and and, you know, have a part of your life um, and to, put, to get value uh, from, you know, it's, it's it's very important. And um, I would say like there the are multiple communities that um, that I love to contribute to, obviously being a black Muslim, um, not obviously being a black Muslim uh you know i i def i value those identities and the communities that i'm a part of from that um i'm a sudani uh from iowa city and we have a large sudani community there unbeknownst to a lot of people most people uh and you know i've growing up in that community has been very important to me and all the people that i came up with and and the elders as well um uh i you know owe a lot to that community um they're the village that raised me and so I value them a lot outside of my work, um, and just uh, any Muslim community I'm in around um, within my vicinity, um, I, I value a lot. Um, as well as that, I'm also a uh, a Drell uh, fellow, uh, so deeply rooted emerging leaders. They're a fellowship of uh, Black Muslim uh, youth um, that I'm a part of, and I've taken so much from them in terms of. Uh, my learning uh, and, and understanding and also um, they've really helped in my personal growth and my understanding uh, so of everything and um, I really value uh, I really value that and then my family I think you know the family is like one of the most important things to me um, so whether it be like you know my you know a nuclear family you know my mom and dad my brothers and sisters, I, you know, spend so much, uh, I, I spend an hour with them almost every day, um, you know, talking with them, going through, uh, we actually, uh, we like go through uh, religious text together every day. And there's just a way to not just uh, a, not just to, you know, um, you know, go through that and, and, and learn, but also to just be together uh, and have that time dedicated, even though that they're, you know, uh, in the country abroad. Um, and, you know, my brothers are scattered in, in the United States. So um, that that family time is, is super important to me. 
um, and uh, investing in, in each of my siblings and my parents. So, and then, uh, yeah. And just a part of um, also the Northwestern uh, Muslim uh, community, the not just the ones that are currently uh, you know, in undergrad, but, you know, the alum, uh, the, I've met so, so many alums that are, um, outside of my, um, my, my, um, my years. So people who graduated way before me, I've become good friends with, um, and taken a lot from, learned a lot from, um, so, uh, and it's a community that I value as well. So yeah, just, uh, taking a lot from different different people different sources of inspiration and uh different uh places i invest in uh so no um, kidding yeah. that's like a super well-rounded life like you're an inspiring model where you have everything from a personal relationship with your fiance mm -hmm. and all the next steps you're anticipating there to your family life mm -hmm. to religious communities to uh mm -hmm. Yeah, alumni networks like this is this is a robust <laughs> place of of connection where you're For where sure. you're finding a lot of meaning. Kudos on on having all these connections and and really fostering those relationships. Mm -hmm. And it's very important at this time, especially because of with COVID, I'm actually not you know physically seeing any of uh, those communities that I'm part of, or any of those friends. Um, mostly alone in Massachusetts, so. Um, being able to try and connect with them has been has been a lot for me um, outside of my work. So, yeah, that's that's fantastic. I I heard you reference earlier an academic advisor that was really influential. Um, mm -hmm. so I don't know if that advisor comes to mind or if also someone in addition. But who do you turn mm -hmm. to when you when you're making career decisions? Yeah. Um, I've I have a lot of uh, sources uh, for my um, for my inspiration in terms of career. Um, my fiance being one of them, she also is a biomedical engineer. Um, just so happens, uh, so um, uh, so I take you know we we talk a lot about our you know careers and life and and purpose of it and what we're trying to achieve in this life. Um, so I take a lot of uh, advice and guidance from her. Um, and uh, I have a lot of mentors I've thankfully been able to um, uh, foster over the last couple of years, especially during my time at uh, my university, uh, be it my academic advisor, um, uh, Professor Guillermo Amir, uh, as well as um, the Dean of Engineering at that school. Uh, she's someone that, uh, she's also the, um, the, I guess, ambassador of some sort in terms of uh, being a, connected to the National Society of Black Engineers, um, our chapter. Um, she, she helps with that, with them. And she's been a person that um, has brought hope to me even when I didn't really have hope <laughs> in myself and in belief in myself. She, she always, you know, was a source of uh, inspiration in that way. Um, yep, and, um, and also even I had mentors within National Society of Black Engineers um, uh, and MSA. Uh, at my university, whether it be uh, Muggan, actually, who who I've talked to um, here and there, um, he's a friend of mine. Uh, that um, uh, that was a senior when I was a freshman, and he um, uh, I was always able to talk to him about you know trying to finding that um, that purpose. Um, and yeah, there, there's been you know taking a little bit here and there, 
from each of these people, as well as one of them being more random is um, an alum that, you know, he uh, graduated in 2001 and he uh, had an apartment um, that was near the university. So when me and my friends were trying to look for an apartment, he is like, oh, you guys can just have mine. We're like, okay. Uh, so he gave us uh, the apartment uh, to rent for those couple years. Uh, but in that time, too, uh, he's been someone that's very also involved in the community, uh, the Muslim community there. And he's someone that ended up, you know, talking far beyond that and, and taking a lot of uh, uh, guidance from um, someone who's uh, very um, in tune with his faith, very in tune with, you know, type of work that he does. Um, so I really appreciate um, all his guidance and mentorship as well. Um, so it, it grew far beyond just, you know, some, you know, uh, connection for, for getting, you know, um, uh, a space to live for, for the year. At yeah, school. he invested so. deeply, just like the dean of engineering invested deeply. And that is what, I mean, so many of our research projects have pointed to is the value of trusted adults in the life of young mm -hmm. people that... Uh, that impact is enormous. And you sure. you are able to rattle off multiple people who have showed up at different seasons in your life. And exactly. it sounds like you're still able to check in with them and yep. turn to them as well. Yep. Uh, yeah, and it also just inspired me to try and be that person for, for people under me too, um, in trying to take on either mentorship programs or you know trying to connect with people um, like me. Uh, so I can, you know, help them, you know, learn what I learned uh, without having to go through some of those experiences or just to help guide them through the process, you know. Well, that um, connects well to this next question because um, it's about personal growth. And that, so I hear you saying, here's how I've received people investing in me. This is how I want to invest in others. Um, so, yeah, you've, you've kind of already illuminated some of these communities. Um, that have been so meaningful and, and some of the trusted adults have been so meaningful, but is there anything particular that has helped you in, in personal growth through those communities that you could point to, whether that was with goal setting or self-discovery or self-improvement? Mm -hmm. I believe, um, I think like there's never mm -hmm. been like just, um, there's few moments of like, you know, huge personal growth. Um, it's really, you know, my personal growth has come from, you know, my different experiences uh, through life and through the different phases with the different people, the different friend groups or different sources of inspiration. Um, and, you know, it's just uh, all those things have shaped me to, to who I am today. Um, and also, um, yeah, through all of those, and um, though one very, um, I guess, one that's really impacted me um, in recent memory has been uh, the Drill uh, Muslim Wellness uh, Fellowship. Um, and attending that and talking with people who are uh, black Muslims, you know, in the U.S. who are, you know, around my age, who uh, being able to connect with them on a very deep level and, and our understanding um of uh of you know of our experiences and, and uniting on that and thinking about you know trying to uh that has shaped my 
um, understanding and what I want to do with my life a little bit too and trying to try see a focus on that you know they're trying to figure out how the work that I'm doing not just helps anyone but you know uh, maybe I can try and uh, find a way to contribute to serving those who are underserved or uh, play uh, you know provide resources for places that are under-resourced um, and figure out if there's a way for me to try and apply that um, in that way so like things that I haven't really considered before, um, you know. So it's it was a very very valuable experience for me, and you know it's uh, I'm looking from that to try and incorporate that into like my life goals and life plans. Um, so that 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 experience has shaped me um, very very much. So um, but yeah, um, but yeah, I've gotten you know another place of personal growth for me that can you know identify is running um through uh cross country and track you know while i haven't really connected with uh my coaches um mm -hmm. since then um you know they they have left such a an imprint in my life um and the way i go about things the discipline and um work uh, ethic that's required that i like you know have utilized to uh for my you know school work through my for my work um and and even outside of work just like everyday life um i've taken so many values uh from that um so that's that's also a place um to give other examples too it's just um uh my experiences like you know with my with my family and um going you know we, we are a huge family i have uh five siblings you know one older and four younger um and it's been it was very chaotic uh years and um but you know i've learned so much uh from that and learning to love uh despite everything and um you know growing from me from learning from each of them um has, has been great for me um so uh yeah um oh i love that i feel like all those examples you provided um have duly impacted you in personal growth and professional growth like you i don't hear a clear bifurcation from you of just well this person invests in or this community invests in you know my work and this community invests in more my personal life or religious life that mm -hmm. there's a a really beautiful intermingling i hear from you of just like this fellowship with the muslim wellness foundation um cultivated a sense of personal growth and professional growth. And I also get a sense of that from my family. And I also get a sense of that from these other networks and communities. So mm -hmm. yeah, you sound like you have a very integrated life, which um, mm -hmm. I'm excited for our readers and our listeners to have work life as we really listen to young people about what, um, what are they looking for in workplace settings and where are they finding meaning and growth and mentorship? Well, it has been so, so helpful to hear your perspective and all the illustrations you provided today, Abdullah. Thank you for your time, for cheering you on to get that Boston Marathon uh, entry qualification and, and in everything with your career endeavors in the biomedical engineering world and wherever that might take you and the ways you're looking to uh, continue to invest in spaces um, and and in people coming after you. Thank, thank, thank you. you again. Thank you for having me. Thank you. 
I know you had to get a lot from that conversation from Abdullah. I certainly did. Um, and here to even make things more applicable is that tip from Dr. Josh Packard. About a year ago at Springtide, we had the opportunity to do some of our first research with Gen Z in the organizations where they want to be affiliated with, whether it's their work <clears throat> or volunteer or education or any other kind of uh, organization that they would want to uphold as proud to be a part of. And then we carried that research through to this study about work life, where we specifically looked at employment. And one of the really consistent findings that comes through from both of those studies, I mean, thousands of interviews, uh, thousands of surveys now and, and, and scores of interviews is the importance of working at a place that has a solid sense of mission, that it knows that the organization and the leaders that are in charge of it know what they're you know, trying to do in the world beyond simply the transactional things that are necessary to keep the organization going. But what sort of impact are they looking to have? What's really interesting, though, about about that is that young people often don't know what the mission of the organizations are. They sometimes even feel like their organization might not have any broader mission um, or even a, even a vision. And this is not all that uh, all that uncommon across time and other age groups. If we look into the management literature, what we find is that leaders tend to under communicate their mission by a factor of ten. Um, by a factor of 10. And I think this comes because largely as leaders, we know what the mission is. We know why we joined the organization or in some cases founded the organization, started doing this work that we're doing. And we assume that uh, everybody else is drawn to the organization for the same reason, or at the very least that they understand it as well. But so often they just don't. And as leaders, it's easy to think that we talk about it all the time, but often that message is not making its way all the way throughout your organization. So the tip here is to make sure you find ways to consistently convey what it is that you value, what the organization stands for, and what kind of impact you're trying to have in the world. It can't always be in the same way. You can't, it's not always going to be through a conversation or, you know, through an email reminder or, you know, some words stenciled on the wall when people walk into the building. But we've got to find unique and creative ways to both convey and demonstrate what the organization stands for. It's incredibly important for young people, especially if what you're trying to do after you spend all this time, you know, attracting talented people to come and work for you is to keep them there. It's the mission that will keep them committed over the long haul. All right. Thanks, everybody. Visit springtideresearch.org to hear more voices of young people and access our full study on young people's expectations and experiences of work titled Work Life, Helping Gen Z Flourish and Find Balance. Sign up for our newsletter and be the first to learn about our upcoming research. Today's show was produced by Marta Abuaji and TJ Birnbaum with original music by high school student Christian Unthink. Special thanks to our guests today and all the young people whose perspectives and insights make our research possible. Remember to find us on social media at We Are Springtide and learn more about our brand new writer in residence program at springtideresearch.org. Thanks for listening. <laughs>